It's that time of year again when I get to tell you about the Banner of Truth. The objective of the Banner of Truth is the promotion, advancement, and dissemination of better knowledge and understanding of the history and the doctrines of the true biblical Christian faith. We seek to inform, encourage, strengthen, and equip ordinary Christians and have a particular concern for ministers and pastors and those training for the ministry. We believe in biblical Christianity, and if we have to be labeled, we would be thought of as a reformed, Calvinistic, conservative, evangelical publisher. We seek to focus in our activities on the major and fundamental truths of biblical Christianity rather than on those truths which may be regarded as secondary, although not unimportant, such as church polity. We trace our theological heritage from the apostles through the early church to the Reformation to the Puritans such as John Owen, Richard Sibbs, and Thomas Brooks, and the 18th century heritage of George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards, and then on to the likes of Spurgeon, Ryle, Alexander, and Hodge in the 19th century, and Warfield, Murray, Hendrickson, and Lloyd-Jones of the 20th century. We publish books that were written from the time of the Reformation right through modern day. And through the whole month of September, you can use the code SHEPHERDSCROOK at checkout and get 10% off. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. Excited to be here today, and I'm actually recording live with a good buddy of mine, a guy that I've learned a lot from recently over the last... I don't know, two years now maybe. I'm hanging out with my friend Zach Easton. Zach, you doing good? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Thank good. you for asking. How, how long has it been? Has it been two years? Yeah, it's been right in November being at the two-year mark. So. Okay, gotcha. And since that two-year mark, you and Cheyenne have gotten married. Mm-hmm. And well, I guess that's the biggest change in your life last yeah. two years. And you're not a full predator anymore. Right. Right? Yeah, two, two big changes. So. Two big changes, okay. Well, we go and pray and then... The big idea today is I wanted to talk to Zach because he's a guy that I have learned a lot from, and he's younger. He's a lot younger than I am. And Zach is the guy that I've been talking to Ransom about and telling Ransom, hey, listen, you can be a teenager and a man. Now you're 20 now. Correct. So you're not a teenager anymore. But Zach has had a a lot of responsibility at an early age, and he's carried himself with class and dignity, and he's grown a lot as a man, not just as a young man, but as a man, and to the point that I look up to him in a lot of ways, and I'm, I'm thankful for my friendship with him. And so I want to talk to him and really encourage you guys as you listen in to be able to expect more out of your young men at the church. And we're going to talk some some different educational routes and how you work for your dad. And uh, but you very intentionally didn't go to college because right. there were some some pieces there that. But anyways, we'll get all, to all that. But we'll go and pray. We'll go and pray, and then we'll get to some of that. So, all right, Father, we just thank you for this time, and I. It's just awesome to have a friend here with me talking live, and I just ask that you'd continue to help Zach and Cheyenne as they're figuring out marriage and all that you're doing in their life. We're excited about that. And Lord, lead this conversation. I trust you're going to. And Father, I pray that this would be helpful to other pastors that are listening and have young men in their church. And Lord, I pray that Zach could be an example to other young men to step up and not wait to grow up, not wait to take on responsibility, but at an early age, God, I pray that you'd help help more and more young men to say, I'll do that. I'll take on that responsibility. I'll take on that burden, and I'll do what God has called me to do. And uh, so I thank you for this time. I trust you're going to lead. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, for those that don't know you, which everybody local will know you, everybody in our church, but why don't you go ahead and just say say who you are, uh, and then go ahead and tell your uh, kind of lead up to, like tell when you were saved, and then lead up to uh, your educational decisions because you, you knew you were going to work with your dad, but why didn't you go to college? 
and uh, and then we'll just kind of go from there. Oh, that sounds good. Yep. So as as all of you probably know by now, my name is Zach Easton. Um, I've been a lifelong resident in Illinois, um, Murfreesboro area, and so when it comes to about when I was saved, I'd say it's probably when I was about five. But of course, you know when you're saved at, at such a young age when you grow up through maturity you kind of look back and like man you know i i didn't know so much and especially sometimes when um growing up to about i'd say probably about 14 or 15 i really questioned if you know how do i really know what i believe is true how do i know that jesus christ is the son of the living god because so you were asking big questions pretty young right yeah and because there's some things that i was really going through um mentally younger in my life uh, that, that I probably won't cover here but maybe maybe in the future uh, that I started questioning different things and then never I would say I ever was mad or angry at God but I just kind of questioned you know why would it be like this I think that's sometimes normal and people and why life in the world would be like this right okay you know I think that that can be sometimes normal in people who aren't as mature in the Lord and possibly even later in life and so it wasn't really to till I was about in my teens early teens to where I was like, okay, I know for a fact Jesus is Lord. Nothing's going to change my mind on this. So between that time period, just like, was I really saved at five? Was I really saved? And so when it comes to that line of sanctification, I would say that I was probably saved at a younger age, just with that childlike faith. And it wasn't until later, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm convinced and I, there's no way I could possibly be wrong. Jesus is Lord, regardless of what, what anyone says. I, I just don't really care. Um, so, and then from that time, I've always went to a Christian school my entire life. I uh, never went to the public education realm, uh, thankfully. But in being in the private education system uh, within Christian school, I mean, they're not always going to teach everything that you were, you were taught or raised up in. Um, and people are people no matter where they go. You know, you have sinners in, in public school, and you have the same ones that come from there in private school. Uh, so it's not really uh, a type of thing to where everyone's just walking on water and no scripture right out of their mouth. I just you have people in there that, that need help just as bad, if not even more. Um, than and, people. and it was ecumenical too. So, I mean, we're, we're talking a lot of different, because I went to that school before it's it split up. Yeah. And you have many denominations, and then you probably have some folks that they just want their child in private school. Correct, yeah. You so know, their, their child may, could probably just care less about God, and they're just, they really don't want to be there, um, and they may just want to do sports or something. But, you know, but even being in, in the school system, I think regardless of, of public or private, there's always a, a push to, to go to college. You have to go to college to be successful. And I, I highly disagree with that. I mean, college is, is good for, you know, if you need to be a doctor or something like that, well, obviously you, you need formal training. You need a, a Ph.D. or something to show that, hey, you know, I, I know what I'm doing. I can do a heart surgery. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you, we can't just have anyone just at the house who watched a couple of YouTube videos and maybe played the the operation game when they were five and expect to, uh, to, right. to remove your heart properly. And well, I mean, they probably can, but if you're going to live afterwards, it's, it's, up, to, <laughs> right. it's up to God. There's but, a big difference. <laughs> right. So, yeah. but I, I think that for the average everyday person as well, because of, of the way that both I think private school and public school is set up, it's, it's set up around more of a idea of not necessarily training you to, go out and actually just start doing trades or anything like that, it, it sets you up to, oh, well, now you can go to college. And okay. so it seems like everything kind of centers around college rather than trying to find your strengths and try and train you in those strengths. 
Instead, we, we treat everybody as if they have the same gift, the same talent, and it's trying to like take a, a fish who belongs in the water and climb a tree. We're trying to take a monkey that climbs trees and say, now swim underwater. Mm. You know, both are very different in nature and what their created purpose is. And it's the same way but with humans. You know, when God, when we're created in the image of God, there's, there's similarities in how we relate to God in that, right. in that aspect. But how we're going to serve him, though, because we have different gifts and callings that, that the Lord provides. And to say that, well, everyone's supposed to be a copy in this area, regardless, I think is a, um, is a foolish assertion. And that's why, personally, with me, after going to the education system and seeing the similarities, and which was big differences in public school and private school, of course, but I think that the the general area and the aim of it is uh, to get you ready for college. And I don't necessarily think that's that's supposed to be for everybody. And I so think so high school, grade school, junior high, high school, instead of training for life, it pretty much gives you training for the pathway of college to right. go to college. So how in high school? Did you know? Because so tell a little bit about what you do now. But I mean, this is a, a business your dad built, right? But how did you know in high school, college isn't the route for me? I don't want to do that. Not because I mean, you could have excelled in college. Mm-hmm. You could have gotten straight A's. It'd been cake. I think if you went to college, it, you would have flown through it. You could have done whatever you wanted to do, right? But you intentionally didn't. Mm-hmm. And what what seems to me to be a better path for you and Cheyenne you didn't go and you started working right away. Mm-hmm. So what made you make that decision or, or what were the principles that kind of guided you towards towards that decision? Well, I, I think that the two basic principles, which should be everyone's principles, is um, prayer and, and reading the Word of God ultimately. I think that it just says what, what David says in the Psalms, that uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct your path. So some of it was just trying to say, okay, when I grow up, what does a man look like? What am I to do in the world? What does a person who's called out of the world to look like being in the world, trying to minister and being that city on the hill and being the salt and the light of the earth? Um, is that going to college or is it trying to do something and start a, a godly family from a, a young age and being able to sustain myself rather than going to something to where... And I think that a lot of it was... I kind of had ideas on what I wanted to do in the future, but I was like, well, that, that's just not for me right now. Um, and then there's there's another aspect, too, to where, well, this is what I want to do, but I don't need college for it either. So I think that some of it, for me personally, is just saying, praying and being in the Word, saying that this is what I feel called to do by the Lord. And I felt called to be married and start a family and then work a job in which, um, a job of workouts with my dad. He started a wildlife business. He's been a trapper since the 60s. Plug for Easton Wildlife right here. So you have any mole, yard mole problems, any kind of raccoon problems right, you can't get rid of, house, uh, call Easton Wildlife. Yeah, we'll take care of it. So, uh, in the tri-state area, right? Yeah. Kentucky, yeah. Indiana, <laughs> Illinois, no, Missouri. Maybe, maybe in the future, yeah, we, we'll try. <laughs> but, uh, but right now, you know, basically all southern Illinois. Um, and we do repair work as well, but I, I mainly do the, the moles for my dad and, and different things like that and, and do shop work and different things and... Uh, we even do sometimes with like installing gutter guard and, and cutting down trees if it's over people's houses and stuff like that. Getting I didn't know that. rid of areas that um, animals can get on the house easy or uh, different things to, to prevent limbs falling in or even a lot of, uh, especially snakes because people have snake havens around their house. They have just junk piled everywhere because uh, of just big trees and they just have trash that accumulates by, you know, them mowing the yard and just blows up against it. So we do stuff like that too and so I was like, well, this seems like a really good job opportunity for me. I kind of like doing this stuff. Um, and then I build hay in the middle of the summer, too, and uh, 
I had time off from working and different things like that before I was a full-time worker for my dad. But but ultimately for me, I feel, I, I really see in, in the push with, you don't have to be successful to go to college at all. Uh, there, there's no use in, a lot of people who go to college anyways, majority of them, they don't even have a job in what they went to college for. Either. Right, right. And so as a result, if, you, if you're not one of those people who's in the top of your class that doesn't get a full-ride scholarship, uh, then you're paying for something that you're not even going to use. And all that yeah. money and all that life experience that you literally just threw down the drain. And I think another aspect of it is as well, and is that we have this push to where, well, you don't really just need to just move out of your parents' house. You know, you can just stay and tell you about maybe 28, 29, maybe 30, um, which I know that's, that's probably pushing it for a lot of households, though. But at least in the mid-20s, and then time they get out, they finally start getting a job, mm-hmm. working full-time. Now they get their first apartment. And now it's just like, oh, man, you know, I have to, what does marriage look like? Um, and then especially I've had a lot of people tell me um, in the past, don't get married very soon. Just wait till you're 30, then have a dog, and then have that dog and just. <laughs> what, just I, what did I tell you? you? You've told me, you know, to, to always basically the, the, the good biblical response anyways. I've said to always start out young, you know, start a family, and then time your time you're in your thirties, your kids are pretty much grown up, moved out of the house, and yeah, and uh, it's and you've given also great advice on uh, saving up money. It's to your not just to your kids, but your grandkids. Yeah, and so it's also a legacy to where a lot of people don't even get to see their their great grandkids, and sometimes they don't even get to see their grandkids either. Right. Um. So having at a young age, you can see this big. Um, dynasty that you're forming too and you're able to help guide them and you have more wisdom as you grow older to be able to to spread to your great-grandchildren as well um, and, and so I think that a lot of the other problems in society too is with the education system um, not only just trying to push people to more schooling and then start a life about uh, when you're a third way into the grave pretty much mm-hmm. um, is that when you start out younger there's, I think, too, the reason why so many people are unprepared to start out young is because they were never prepared to, to well, what does marriage look like? Right. And I, I was listening to something of Paul Washer recently, and he was asked a question, what is the number one problem to churches or the number one um, danger to churches? And he said, pastors. Hmm. And, you know, there's people out there in the, la- in the audience that kind of laughed a little bit, and he said, no, I'm honest that he believed that God gave uh, teachers, evangelists, and, and pastors to the church. And that where you see a weak church, you'll see none of those people or they're people who are unregenerate or they're really weak. Mm-hmm. And so I think that a lot of the blame, we can't just throw it out on just society because judgment starts in the house of God. Yeah. And so we have to point the fingers at us and to where when it comes to Washington, what's going on, we're, we're not the cause of, or Washington's not the cause of us, we're the cause of Washington. Yeah, that's good. And so when we have these bad leaders that are in there, it's not... You know, it's because of us is why they're in there. Yeah. We're not here because of the bad leaders. Bad leaders are there because of us. So let, let's shift a little bit because, okay, so already at a younger age, and I'm going to keep mentioning that because I want guys to hear this. So not because I look at you as just being young or a kid or anything like that. I don't at all. But at a younger age, you're already, you already have your full-time job, your career job. You're married. Mm-hmm. We've been talking and saying, don't delay having kids. Right. Have kids as soon as possible. I have a child and, on and the way as well. So. Okay, I didn't know if you'd yeah. publicize that. I, yeah, I, like I, that. Asked, I asked Cheyenne uh, okay. before I came on saying, hey, is it okay? I was like, yeah, that, that's fine. Okay, so. so you have till this Sunday to tell everybody then, right? Because right. it's coming out next Tuesday, or next Thursday. More than likely, yeah. Okay, gotcha. So. 
All right. Well, I can delay it as long as you need me to. No, no, it, it's, it's fine. Okay. So. so that's exciting because so many people, and I, this is what we were told, we were counseled, get married, but then, del- you know, date for a long time, then finally get married. Exactly the advice yeah. that you told, that you'd said that you were told, and then delay having kids. Take a bunch of trips, wait to have kids till you're older. And Jordan and I both wish we would have started off. I mean, I wasn't, th- I was 30 before we had Ransom. And we wish we would have started earlier. Mm-hmm. And now I'm four years older than Jordan is, so she was 26 or so. But time moves, man. It's, it's amazing. So yeah. you've got your career job, married, baby on the way. But you also have this side, two or three side hustles at any given time. Yeah. Uh, and you're in the political world as well. Mm-hmm. So why don't you talk about that and tell us why you think that's important. Yeah. So- because don't you know... Uh, Jesus' kingdom isn't a part of this world, but, you know, so, I mean, we're not supposed to get involved yeah. in any of that kind of stuff, Zach. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, we're, still, we're supposed to be Amish is what we're called to be. Right, right. right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've, I've been raised in politics essentially my um, my entire life um, as well. My my mom was involved with the Jackson County Republican women, um, and then when my dad was at work, I was, I was with her, and so sometimes I went to her with these meetings and different things, and so I've always just, because it's just like an, another thing, too, is... You know, you, you pick up so much from your parents through the things and the way they act and the things that they take interest in that sometimes you really don't even realize as well. Um, so it's also been kind of interesting for me to now have a child in ways like, okay, what are some bad things that I, I just don't necessarily catch myself doing that I should probably just try and, and wash myself around um, so I don't act like this so my kids don't pick up on it. What's some right. good attributes I should try and be more solid on or have shown more and more of some other things I should dial back. But with the going back to the political spectrum though, um, I've, I've always been interested in politics, seeing my mom be a part of the Jackson County Republican women. Um, I've walked in different parades for the party. Um, I've helped different, uh, I've campaigned for other political figures, um, put out signs, did phone calls, walked for them, did polls for them. Um, a lot of those different things. And I think especially as well what got me more interested is not just being raised up in it, but also seeing that we have this type of mentality, like you were saying that, oh, well, don't you know God's kingdom isn't of this world, and so we're just supposed to you know, not be a part of it. I, and I see that when we have, especially when we read in Proverbs how kings are supposed to be, and we look at majority of politicians today, and we see that a lot of them don't fit up to those um, qualifications who are now we have presidents and the other people they have uh you know they take advice from people in the council of the wicked and they and you know a, a good prince or a good leader wicked people should not at all want to be near them right and so when we have people that are in political realms and you know they, they cheer and I, I think there's some good optimism and there should be some parts in which we cheer on to where if uh you know gay legislation gets passed and they say hey have you thought about passing this bill and they say no we, we praise that that but in reality but what we should be saying is that that conversation should not be taken at all. They should see the righteousness and the character of this person and be like, we're not talking to him. We should just tremble and just asking him would be essentially a, a futile mission to where just the answer should be no. And I think that because we have lack of leaders who, who don't have any character, who aren't skilled in um, the ways of the Lord, they don't understand the law of God, they don't delight in the law of God, and that they may have some Christian values to them, but not necessarily be regenerate. And, you know, a lot of times we just like, oh, well, I just vote for this person because 
he has similar beliefs, but he may not be saved. Well, you know, I I I really heavily understand that because sometimes that's that's all we get, mm-hmm. and I think that but that, that's not what we should have to put up with though. Right. Um. There's there's a time that as Christians we should take action when, um, we see things and know that the Lord's going to bless the work which we do. Because mm-hmm. I think that some of it I won't get too much on an eschatological, um, world here, but I think that also how we view eschatology so much shapes on how we live right now, especially. Yep, definitely. Um, because with a lot of the mainstream eschatology that we have is just, you know, why uh, you don't brash Paulus on a sinking ship, essentially. Right. And, you know, Jesus never said the church was a sinking ship. He says a city set on a hill. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as Christians, we should be acting like that. We're, we're the salt, we're the light of the earth. And when we try and back up, it's just like with our education system once again. Um, the secular humanist didn't come with a gun, chase us all out. We we just gave it to him, mm-hmm. and we act like that the gospel is not going to be victorious. We act like it's not going to change the world. We act like um, it's not going to take refuge in, in anything or anyone's life. But yet we have in Matthew chapter thirteen, when Jesus talks about the parable of the mustard seed, it's the smallest seed in all the garden, but when it grows up, it becomes the biggest of all trees. And that the birds of the air nest into it, mm-hmm. and so we have to look at the gospel and realize that it's not a fool's errand. It's a yep. it's a mission that's going to be successful and it's going to transform the world and it's going to call men to repentance and it's going to influence on essentially how the whole world is going to be um and part it's going to be that city set on the hill which it already is but it's going to be i think even more realized in the future as well well what's interesting i mentioned this sunday but over two billion people in the world claim to be christian Mm -hmm. now you and i both know that that's not accurate right that's just those who are claiming to be christian but in the history of the world when you think about 2 billion of 7 billion people in the world. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a large percentage of the world, global population, that's claiming to be Christian. Right. So you look back in the history of the world, in America, it's there's a Christian decline. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that there's not a global increase right. throughout the world. And there's transitions and shifts that happen throughout the world in so many different ways, from, from weather mm-hmm. <laughs> over the years and, uh, to... Things like the the ebb and flow of gospel influence in a, in a region or area or a nation, and it seems pretty clear that we're under some sort of judgment based on everything in our country. That to, to the point where we are right now, the wicked Absolutely. rulers that we have, that it's not just that judgment's coming; we're living in judgment. Right. Now. I mean, based on on things that are happening. But to me, that there is that expectation of you know whether you're an optimistic, a millennial, or you're or post post millennial, there is an expectation of a victorious reality in the future mm-hmm. in front of us that the great commission was not given and Jesus didn't tell us to do this and then say, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So the same one with all authority with us to the end of the age. And we could get into end of the age mm-hmm. arguments with preterism or full preterism right. or partial preterism. But um, the fact that Jesus is with us and is with us now should give us great hope. I mean, if, things go bad for us individually, there's growth somewhere else that's happening. Absolutely. If I die, then the gospel continues to move forward somewhere else. And if not as a direct result from my death, I can die with the assurance that the gospel message isn't going to be stopped. And I think that is, there's a huge, uh, you know, for, for me, I see a huge growth in hope over the last year and a half amongst Christians, mm-hmm. especially the people that I follow online, a huge level of hope in the midst of what everybody else is crying out in despair about, the Christians are like, you know what? Not only are we going to be okay, 
let's build families. Let's build culture. Let's help each other. Let's build our own economy. Let's do what we got to do to thrive. And I see you doing that. And and put in politics, you know, to keep talking here, but and I'll pass it off to you. One of the things that I was mistaken on for years is that I don't think I would have explicitly said this, but I thought that the scriptures were authoritative for only those who claimed that the scriptures are authoritative. So the church is guided by the scriptures, but the world, not so much. There's there's really no implications there. And I had a small view or reduced view of the authority of God's word in the world. And when you recognize, wait a minute, God's word is authoritative everywhere. Right. And Jesus is sitting on his throne now and the kingdom of God is present at hand and growing, then that changes things. Because you want the gospel to go forth. You want people to be changed. And if we're saved, and then we get elected into a position, which you are right now, then the way you rule and the way you serve is going to be a benefit to people. Absolutely. And more so a benefit than it would be if you were a wicked ruler. Mm-hmm. There's there's good that can come to the world through Christians saying, I'm going to step up, take responsibility, and be a public servant. So what's your role? What's your elected position? So I have, and, have two positions, one appointed, one elected, and possibly uh, another one I'm going to be running for here, but I haven't campaigned yet because uh, the time isn't just just yet. Um, it's going to be a couple more months, but I'm appointed to uh, precinct committee men in uh, Jackson County. Uh, then I have a elected position of uh, township trustee in Sand Ridge. So I'm in charge of the... The big city of Sand Ridge. Yeah, big city. That's yeah, right. Yeah, big district. So... Uh, so we have pretty low taxes for, for that district at the county. Um, so, and it's, you know, not, not too hard of a job. It's pretty easy. Um, but I'm, I'm planning on running for Jackson County Board as well. And I think that the fight for, especially for the people who, who live in Jackson County, or at least in, in Southern Illinois, who look at Jackson County, and they usually know the type of political dilemma that we're in, especially... Um, the liberalization that we're going through and how they just always want to increase taxes, increase property tax and increase spending of money that we don't have. And I think that positions that government shouldn't have any, Mm -hmm. any say in. And I think that especially this year too, I've, I've seen definitely more quotations from Romans 13 than probably ever in my life either. And, And what's so sad though about this is that when we have everyone to be subject to governing authority, and that's it. Just like when you go to Matthew chapter 7, it says do not judge, and then everything else is blacked out from there on out. Right. You know, it's really no different. I think that a lot of it has been they're trying to be, and I'll, I'll just say it, they're, it's just a cop-out for cowards anymore. Mm-hmm. And essentially trying to reform a society, and, and this is why I go into political field, trying to reform a society without Christ is like trying to basically rearrange furniture in a house that's burning down. Yeah, there's there's, there's no point to it. And it's just it's just futile. But when we have Christ, who's the cornerstone um, to everything in life and should be the center of everything in life, if you build upon that foundation, that's not going to fade away or sink away. And mm-hmm. we see that the Puritans, when they came here on the Mayflower, they had that exact same mentality that God's yeah. going to bless the work of their hand, and that when it's going to grow, it's it's going to grow big and it's going to make a big impact. Yeah. Um, and so, but yet, what I think that the crucial importance of looking at Romans thirteen is when Paul says that. For they are a minister to your good. Mm-hmm. Well, on what basis of good? By what saying is it? Is it the state's good or is it God's good? Yeah. Because He's granted them as His servants, not the servants of the people. Which there's a sense in which they do serve the people. They are public servants at the same time, but their ultimate goal is to serve the Lord. And so, if you're going to be a good servant of the Lord in the political realm, well, you have to at least know what good is. And yeah. in a Amen. society today, when we have, you know, 
uh, people complaining that Texas got the incrementalization to um, abortion to, at six weeks. We have people complaining about that now. Mm-hmm. And the fact that uh, our own Supreme Court has to take a vote on it to see that, well, we're going to try and stop this, which praise the Lord that they couldn't, though, yeah. or didn't. Um, but when it comes to a society to where we're that far removed from good and they think that they're on the right side of history to allow the murder of innocent children it is just is just absurd. It is. And I think that if uh, Christians would be getting into the political field more or pushing it, or I'm not saying that you have to, you know, preach politics in the pulpit, you know, the political realm is not left or right, it's up and down. Yeah. And, and that's what you have to realize primarily, which we know that, you know, the closer you get to one side or the other, it's, it's more up or down. Right. <laughs> right. So, Meaning uh, if you're on the left, you've abandoned God, basically. Correct, yeah. <laughs> Essentially, you have. Well, so. and it's interesting because the scriptures, because they are authoritative in all of life, and here's just what I didn't recognize. I would recognize the authority of God in the business sphere. So, you know, we, we need Christian businessmen. Mm-hmm. We need Christian women as teachers we need christian we need christians everywhere except as policymakers except as public servants for some reason there was this disconnect because i i didn't i mean i did come from a church that was so political that the the gospel was abandoned it was left so it wasn't transformation of the society from the inside out of people's lives being changed by the gospel it was only through a top-down understanding so it was we've got to basically just be, get become a moral society. We just we just have to to be better. Mm-hmm. We have to and so there's a difference there because I think when we get Christians serving in positions, that Christian knows that policies can't save people. Right. But they are influenced in their judgments based on God's word. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to do what God tells them to do according to his word in their political sphere. And so that that's a good thing. That is like I said, that's far better than a secularist, some, you know, uh, pink hair, femme, yeah. you know, lesbo making these decisions and determining what we should be doing as a society. Right. And so that's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing when Christians are in those positions, not to bring a mallet, but to serve as God would have them. And that's better for people. So now, okay. Um, you do a lot of different things as well. One of the things that Lane Harrison said, and I think you agreed with this, how many, um, not precinct, but uh, there, there are different districts and communities and cities and counties. And there are many positions that, that are not filled because people correct. aren't running for them, correct? Mm-hmm. How many positions in Jackson County are, are just open and vacant because people aren't um, running? I think for Jackson County Board, if I'm not mistaken, I think that there's two. And so basically there we have six districts, if I'm not mistaken. And so there's two per district, so it'll be a total of 12. Um, and I think out of those, I think there's two um, that are open. And then I think... Uh, which there are some elections, like I said, that's going to be going on for the coming year. Um, How many people would you be running against? Do you know? No, I, I really don't know yet because not everyone has uh, necessarily announced who's going to be running yet. So okay. I, I, I don't know. I just at least I'm, I know I'm going to be running against the person who's, who's currently in um, right now. And he's, he's been a disappointment. Um, he, he hasn't had a spine and he's been um, siding with things that he, he shouldn't have been siding on and just basically says that, oh, I, I didn't really know any better, which, you know, he, he did. But, and I, and like I said, this is this is something that's not a top-down issue. It's from the, it's from the bottom up. It's like an inverse pyramid um, to where the church has to raise people. Because, I mean, you look at Joe Biden, for example, which, take for granted, yeah, he came from the Catholic Church. But it's still that you have a lot of these people who claim to be, oh, yeah, I'm with the church. Yeah, I'm with the church. I'm raising the church. But yet, when you look at their policies... 
um, you know, it's like what Jesus would say, with your mouth you honor me, but your hearts are far from me. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, basically if that would be Christianity at any moment in time, I think that that'd definitely be applicable to today. Mm-hmm. Um, we have too many people just honoring God with their mouth and just say things, saying, oh yeah, I love Jesus, or Jesus is great, or whatever. And they may give a verse to support whatever policy they did, like we see some people doing with Leviticus 13, with uh, the lepers having their um, saying unclean and have a mask on the lower part of their face, which is some ceremonial stuff like that, and you know people taking that verse out of context for uh, the whole mask mandate issue and things. Mm-hmm. But um, and I think that really, if our churches would start stop being so lukewarm on the gospel, and that they'd actually really start preaching the gospel for one, instead of just trying to make it more of a um, seeker sensitive show. Mm-hmm. You know, just try and get people in with whatever type of craft and whip that they have, and just try and get people in just just by the power of the gospel. I mean, there's there's yeah. really no more powerful force than that out there. Well, and then what you're, one of the things you're saying I think is important. There really is a bipartisan need within public ser- servants mm-hmm. at the local level, state level, national level, and that's Jesus because this is a Republican Democrat thing. Right across the board, you have weaselly, weird. You know, Republicans basically are like whatever the Democrats were ten years ago. That's what Republicans are today. Pretty much. And there, there really does need to be a revival. In uh, politics, are so crooked. It just it seems like everyone that gets voted in, you wonder how in the world these people are intolerable. I mean, how how do they get elected? Yeah. And so we need people like yourself, normal people who love Jesus, who represent a large part of our country, like just normal people. And then we get these oddballs. <laughs> that get voted in right. that are just total weirdos that don't care in the world anything in the world about God they don't care about people and they really hate our country and want to destroy it absolutely and we need people like yourself now, okay let's switch gears a little bit it's crazy how much time flies it's yeah. already 3.05 yeah. it's crazy <laughs> okay um, you also do something else you make guns. Correct. So tell us about that, how you get into that. And you made my AR for me. And how many ARs have you built for guys in our church now? Know, probably. Probably, probably eight or nine. Eight or nine. Like probably more on the list. Months. Anybody yeah. else get uh, just, more on the list? Just uh, just some of my other friends and stuff in, in, in other places. Okay. But, and then I, I just built my, my dream rifle, too. Uh, you got got that finished a couple weeks ago. And you built Cheyenne, several guns. Yep. And you built, you're building handguns as well. Yep. So you're you're multi, you're a Renaissance man. Yeah, you got your competencies run in different streams here. Yeah, I, I try to make it that way. Theology, so. uh, politics, trapping, and hunting, trapping, and fishing, hunting, fishing, and fishing so. ammo, working out. Yeah, so a lot of different things at mm-hmm. once. So uh, tell us about your dream gun that you just built. So my my dream gun I, I just got them building is a is a BCM rifle, in which if you don't know much about BCM, they're they're more of a top of the line uh, rifle, very very great quality. Um, never going to go wrong with one of their guns that they make. Um, I got some of it custom painted as well, like the stock and the grip and stuff like that, and the rail covers. I've um, got a weapon-mounted light on there, got some uh, post sight set up on there, and I have a really expensive um, um, red dot sight put on there as well, holographic sight made by EOTech, which is, makes great optics as well. Um, so just an overall, just super reliable gun. And just that's something I, I've wondered for a while because I got my first AR when I was when I was younger, and then it was just like you know just kind of getting into the AR realm, just like okay, you know how does this work? How do you take it apart? Different things like that. Mm-hmm. And then just like finally, you know, with me being on my own and having money saved up, it was like, well, I'm, I'm going to build something that I'm going to like and build uh, very well and be able to give it to my kids in the future or whatever. Um, so, but 
Uh, so I'm, I'm yeah I'm really interested in the guns overall though, and I think that it's something that I would say probably every man should be. Mm-hmm. Um, every man should be able to defend himself and should want to defend himself and his neighbor and ultimately his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, he he should want to, um, and I think that the best way to do that is is obviously with guns because if you have a man coming in the middle of the house, I don't care what type of martial arts you know, I don't care how strong you are if they have a gun. I mean that's that's going to hurt you pretty bad essentially. Yeah, so. right. So. Uh, Zach, at your age, there are many guys that are collecting debts like crazy. Mm-hmm. They can't build guns. They know nothing about politics. They know little to nothing about theology. And they know a whole lot about video games. Mm-hmm. They know a whole lot about trying to chase girls or being nervous to chase girls. Yeah. They don't have a clue what they want to do in life. Here, here's a question. This might be personal. I don't know. How much debt do you have right now? I have none. 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 That's what I, that's what I thought. No debt. Mm-hmm. And you've got a career job at twenty. You probably already got an IRA set. You got an IRA you set up. Yeah, a Roth IRA. Okay, set good. Up, you got so. a Roth IRA set up. Would you get? Would Tyler help you out with that? No, I my my dad. Did. Oh, your dad yeah, helped you out with that. Yeah. Okay, so when your children grow up, you'll be able to train them in ways. That, I mean, you learned a lot from your dad. He even mm-hmm. taught you about the IRA. And pastors listening in, this is what I'm wanting to expect from my children. I told Ransom I, my, and Valor both, I expect you guys to be men as teenagers, not men as 30-year-old. Obviously, you want your sons to be men at 30 years old, but you can be a teenager and a man. And still, I'll never forget the first time Ransom heard that. He was like, what? And it was just, his jaw kind of dropped because he knew some other teenagers who didn't have anything together. And then here is Zach with, with what we're talking about here today. So, man, I appreciate you coming on because oh, I, I think you're going to be an encouragement to a lot of these guys. I mean, it, it, it was an honor. And, and something I'll say too really quick with, about being a teenager and a man is that, as what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, bad company corrupts good morals. Mm-hmm. And especially, you find the most corrupt character of people who are basically young teenagers all in a room full of over 100 people their age. Right. And there's never ever going to be another time in your life to where you're going to be put in a room with that many people your same age again. And yet we have such a, an attack by people in the, unfortunately, in a lot of Christian circles against homeschooling and raising up their kids and stuff. But yet, you know, when you have a lot of these people with bad company, especially just, you know, stupid multiplies essentially too. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have a rowdy group of individuals, just like like a big fire, if you have an ember here and an ember over here, you know, as long as they're separated, it's not, it's going to be fine. It's not going to grow up too big. But when you start putting all these embers together, then it's just catastrophe just increases instantly. Mm-hmm. And so well, I think that something I've noticed anyways is that I've seen kids who ra- who were raised in, in good households anyways. They were brought up in the ways of the Lord. And then now I just, I look at their life and just, you know, wow. Mm-hmm. I, it's just, it's, it's really a tragedy. Um, and that's why with me, it's just no matter how hard it's going to be to where, yeah, if, if my wife was to work, she's going to be a stay-at-home mom. But if she was to go to work and have another job on the side, yeah, we could have more money and go on vacation, but ultimately I'm going to have someone else discipling my kids, and they're, they're my responsibility, and they're, they're my kids. Yeah. And I know that around me they're going to be taught the way I, I believe the Bible says they should be, that they're going to be instilled with good moral values, and that they're going to have a, a true form of socialization, that being around people who are... Because, I mean, essentially... I think that every parent wants their kid being around people who's going to be a good influence. Right, yeah. And when you go to a school to where they're primarily going to be around 
bad influences and they're gonna find bad influences there. I mean, so with me, my, especially one of my major things with homeschooling is that I want them to be separated from that. When I was younger, I didn't really have too many friends either. And my parents went to a lot of auctions and stuff. And so I was always around old people at auctions because you don't find any kids at auctions, <laughs> But auctions are pretty great. Yeah, they are. I, I, love, I love auctions. Um, and so I was always talking to old people, talking to Vietnam veterans and World War II veterans, uh, them telling me stories and, and different things like that. And just getting a lot of wisdom at a young age. And, and probably one of the greatest advices I was given as a young kid um, was for my dad. And something that I, it's really changed my life a lot. And something I would encourage all guys my age essentially do is, is of course, read your Bible. But specifically, my dad would have me read a at least a chapter in Proverbs a day, if mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. Uh, at least a chapter a day in Proverbs plus plus something else. But and I still do that today, is still read a chapter of Proverbs a day. That's awesome. And Proverbs, you know, when you have that wisdom literature by Solomon, and which Jesus is the greater Solomon, obviously, but when we have all that great wisdom there from Solomon, um, and he's had more women than probably anyone ever will, mm-hmm. and when we have people who, who chase after women like Solomon did, just like a lot of guys that I know, unfortunately, like I've only had one girlfriend, and that girlfriend I I had, I, I married her, mm-hmm. and I know that all guys can't do that, and I'm or I think all guys should. I'm not trying to condemn anyone, but I think that's a goal that we should all want to strive for and towards, and something that, you know, my my mom and dad instilled in me is that, if you're going to date someone, be prepared to marry them essentially. Right. And that you know, reading Proverbs 31 because you have a lot of guys who who act differently around women and they necessarily shouldn't be to where it's like a woman thinks that they're extremely narrative, well, they'll change that just for the woman. Mm-hmm. Just but, but if it's a godly virtue, you don't change at all. Yeah. You know, trauma is deceptive, but beauty is fleeting, but a woman who serves the Lord shall be praised. Yeah, and, that, and that's something that we, we should really be instilling not in only um, our women to raise them up and say that, you know, if you want to be praised, don't worry about how many earrings you can put in your ear. Don't worry about how much how many different types of makeup you can put on mm-hmm. or how you have your hair what's going to make you a woman of the lord is by your character how you act and how you treat other people yeah and we got to teach our men especially to say that this is something they should be looking for in women especially you know beauty comes and goes charm is it's very deceptive so if a woman can be as i've seen i've known men who's got divorces to where um a woman looked a certain way and or I should say acted a certain way then they got married just she was totally different mm-hmm. um, and so a, a lot of times it's, it's like this all everything that we do in life should be centered upon the basis of the gospel essentially yeah. marriage is a, is a great picture of the gospel and the reason why I think we have a lot of failed marriages in, in America is because of, of essentially our, our view of the gospel how we view it and because Jesus is faithful to us and a lot of things with um, with marriage should be always centered on the gospel obviously and um, looking at that just knowing that no matter the different mistakes that my wife do or I do we should always persevere with each other always trying to work it out always be calm and always be caring towards one another and, and do everything centered around Christ and I, essentially when we look to Christ for fulfillment rather than our other spouse I think that's essentially what's going to carry the marriage a long way Amen, it's good stuff Guys, we've been talking with Zach Easton. Zach, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Thank you. It was a great time. Awesome. That went really well.